Hey, I'm Alan Hunter. You're listening on the Pantheon Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Maryland sports fans, there's only one sports book in the great state of Maryland with over 50 years' experience booking bets and supporting customers. Betfred Sportsbook at Long Shots is now open and is the only sports book in Frederick offering cash betting on football, basketball, world soccer, and more. Visit the Betfred Sportsbook at I-270 and MD-85 in Frederick, right next to Long Shots Off-Track Betting. Go to BetfredSports.com for more information and your chance to win exclusive merchandise. Must be 21 or older. Play responsibly. For help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Already, it's getting loud in here, Marcus. What? I said, it's getting loud in here already. Oh, it is. Time for another episode of Game Changers on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. I'm Ray Coob. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this time, we're going to kill them all and let God sort them out. Right, Marcus? Absolutely. A <laughs> monster of a game changer. The evil spawn of Lenny and Motorhead Metallica's debut album in the spotlight, changing the game inside the metal world. <sighs> what a fun ride. And it started right here. Here where? Here is July 25th, 1983. That's when they released Kill 'Em All on Megaforce Records. Man, the guys in Metallica, they've been building up to this moment. And that included hooking up with our friends John and Marshall Zizula from Megaforce and pulling it all together, forming the Old Bridge Militia, which would be the East Coast extension of the Metallica Army always and even through to today. It's all about kill them all. And this episode is brought to you, as always, by Boldfoot Socks at boldfoot.com. Grown here, sewn here. Check them out at boldfoot.com. Crooked Eye Brewery in the heart of Hapro, proudly now serving Salty Bet's Barbecue Marcus, as well as all the wonderful beverages that they offer. They've got barbecue, fall off the bone ribs. But you need a good beer and a good feed before you jump into the pit, man. <laughs> well, this whole episode kind of circles around pit life. Being a fan, being in a band, sooner or later you're going to end up at the pit of the show. And that's pretty much what happens when they start playing for the Old Bridge Militia. But it starts in L.A., Marcus, before they come to Jersey and kind of move in with Marsha and John and become, you know, the leaders of the Old Bridge Militia. Metallica starts in L.A. on a whim because Lars thought he could get a track on a Metal Blade sampler. Put an ad in the paper for players? Pretty much, right? That's like... Hey, guys, I'm reaching out to the universe here. What you got? The attraction of the people that he drew obviously mattered because look at what they ended up with on a whim. Well, let's talk about that original iteration of Metallica. It included, of course, the late, great Cliff Burton on bass 
and Dave Mustaine, who would leave and go on to form Megadeth. And he's an interesting part of this story because the push me pull you of Mustaine versus Metallica through the years is part of the story because of kind of what happened there. I mean, he has picked on Hammett, and all Hammett did was be the right person in the right place at the right time as a young guy in Exodus who were also about to emerge. Kirk Hammett took a big chance leaving an established band to take a chance with these guys and heading east on a whim like that. That's bold. And when was that? That was like a month before they got into the studio to record Kill Em All. And that's how we get to the point where Kirk's in the band and you're moving forward. That's all you can really do, not only in rock and roll, but in life in general. Once life changes, kind of go with it. He had the benefit of listening to the last demo they made, ironically, with Dave, which is the famous No Life Till Leather. I mean, that demo's early enough so that Ron McGovern's the bass player on it. So when it comes to learning the songs, Hammett had, what, six or seven of the songs right there that he could learn right away. He basically jumped into the fire to build chemistry with the band. He came out, he started practicing, they played, they did some live shows together and kind of put it all together in those uh, 30 days before they jumped into the studio. And I knew that Mustaine had a fingerprint or two on the songs on Kill Em All, but I didn't realize that it was so heavy and that it continued to the second album, Ride the Lightning, as well. We'll talk about that for a moment because Mustaine is part of the process. But before we go there, Marcus, we should probably go to the old vinyl collection. I know yours would be all beat up if you had one because you'd played it so many times at so many parties and just put on side one on the album. Hit the vinyl or hit the lights. That song is a blister. It's a 100-mile-an-hour statement saying, hey, here's Metallica. The next song is one that Mustaine brought in with him after the audition, and he joined Metallica. The Mechanics, which becomes The Four Horsemen, the second song on side one of Kill Em All. Didn't Dave Mustaine release a version of The Mechanics on his debut Megadeth record as well? Well, I believe you are correct, my dear Marcus. Wait a minute. The research team says, yes, you both know what you're talking about. (laughs) This time. Doesn't happen every day. (laughs) Another interesting thing about this song as well is that Kirk Hammett had to take those fantastic Dave Mustaine solos and brand them as his own, play them in the Kirk Hammett way and and make them without losing the essence of the song.
And I think over the years, that was one of the swipes that Mustaine took at Kirk. Yeah, he just learned my riffs and, you know, kind of lifted them. But but he didn't. He really did make it his own. And songs like Motor Breath are part of the evidence. That's a tribute to Motorhead in a lot of ways. That motor went, what? And don't lose the uh, importance of having your name on these songs for Mustaine, because even though he was creating his own band in Megadeth, he also got royalties from the stuff on those first two albums that were included. And that includes Jump in the Fire, one of my faves from Kill Em All, Marcus. Dude, this song just rips. And again, one of those songs that really gave us an idea of what we could expect from Metallica in the future. This was one of those songs that was a uh, bass or a setting stone for them to evolve into even greater as the years went by. And it showed that as young kids, they still had very mature songwriting in areas. Well, because the songs were about something. They had some deep lyrical meaning, and that would continue even through the 90s. Always something behind the lyrics. Side one of Kill Em All continues with the bass player. Bass soul, take one. Cliff, anesthesia, pulling teeth on that amazing bass of his, and the way they all work together in that jam, an instrumental jam, really shows how they're coming together. And that developing chemistry we're talking about with Kirk coming in and everybody getting in the same mode. Yeah, Lars said something very interesting in Louder Sound about this song. He said, Anesthesia was a bass solo disguised as a song. Instead of it being called a bass solo, it was like what Geezer Butler did in Black Sabbath. He just gave it a clever, cool title. (laughs) By the way, Geezer has always done that on all his solo stuff. Go look at the titles on the GZR record. You'll see what I'm talking about. Oh, that's so funny. Very smart, smart observation by Lars. You know what we haven't really been talking about? How in 1983, 4, when these guys are being discovered by a whole generation of kids who are pissed off at the world, how important whiplash, how important the energy, how important the uh, was to freeing people from whatever chains they put on themselves musically by that point. I love this song. Whiplash is a beast of a song. The grind. (laughs) Hey, I want to talk to you about something that you sent me this week. The guy's name is Ben Eller. If you don't see him or follow him on YouTube, you really should because you sent me something and I listened to it right before we were doing our session today. And I have a very different point of view musically this morning because this guy takes all the songs from Kill Em All and then plays all the riffs but instead of them being in a drop d minor key they're all in major keys and chords and it is really fucking something else i'll tell you that thanks for getting that it's made my day it's like blink 182 metal it's like happy boppy metal in a sort of way it's got this like upbeat groove to it like hey we're gonna shred and accomplish our chores today hey we're gonna beat the crap out of you and make you feel like you're enjoying it 
<laughs> hey! Right, right? Yep. When we put the episode out, we'll be sure to post the link on social media. And the one thing I really like that I haven't said is the guy's facial expressions, man. It's fucking hysterical. I love it. <laughs> it's almost like he's doing Dave Mustaine facial expressions while playing Happy Notes. <laughs> Hey, Ben, be in touch at imbalancehistory at gmail.com. We should have him on to talk about that kind of stuff. We always want to get musicians talking about transposing shit. He did a good job there. Very good. Hey, Ray, in the old days, we'd have flipped the record. So what do you say we take a quick break, grab a pint, change our socks, and uh, stretch our necks from the whiplash that will be setting in a little later? Already got the disc washer out to wash off side (laughs) two and go after this break here on the podcast. I need a beer. You know, Marcus, when Marisa got back from her power walk the other day, she started doing a testimonial for Boldfoot Socks, so I told her, hold on, and I sat her down and had her record it. Hey, Marisa, tell us all about your Boldfoot Socks. You know how much I love to go out on that 5.30 a.m. power walk, and I'm usually coming home sweating and dripping wet from head to toe. But since I bought my Boldfoot Socks, that isn't true anymore, at least not for my toes. After any workout or one of my long walks, I take off my shoes, I take off my socks, and I can't believe how dry my feet are. Even my socks aren't really that wet. These are the bold foot socks that I'm telling you about. Uh, They're so comfortable that I barely feel them on my feet when I'm walking or exercising. Every time you put on these socks, there's two words in capital letters that have so much meaning. You see the words, be bold. What that means to me is that if I'm going to go out for that walk, that jog, to the gym, wherever I'm going, it gives me a message that I can give it my best shot, that I can be empowered. I know it sounds crazy. It's just a pair of socks, but that's what it does for me. And they also wick the sweat away. That's Boldfoot Socks at boldfoot.com. Check them out and be bold. Hey, Ray, it's been a really fun summer, and included in that summer fun is all the happenings at Crooked Eye Brewery over in the heart of Hatboro. So much going on, including the opening of the Crooked Eye Kitchen and the arrival of Salty Vets Barbecue. Matt and his team started small, but demand immediately outgrew what they'd done, so they've been making more to keep people fed over there. I got to tell you, man, so much has changed in the way things are going, too, like Rich and John are doing a duet now, and they're appearing regularly in addition to all the the regulars like the Crooked Eye Band. And with the fall coming on, you're going to see some really nice fall varieties of beers in the And cider, room. too, yeah. probably. Don't forget, it's all there. Craft cocktails, too, at Crooked Eye at the main location right there off York Road in Hapro. Pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014 and now pouring craft cocktails and serving up that salty vet fall off the bone barbecue. Keep up with what's going on at the Crooked Eye Brewery by following them on Facebook. With fresh footwear and a, uh, I got a toasty, tasty little uh, red ale that I really enjoy over there, Cooked Eye. So between those two, I'm set for the second half. It's Game Changers on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. Recoup with my partner in crime, Marcus Goldman. And Marcus, I want to talk about side two and the songs that comprise the absolute brain-crushing part of Kill Em All. (laughs) 
<laughs> There's no doubt this album side is a brain crusher, and the songs are just powerful and heavy and dark and really setting us up for what Metallica would become in the years ahead. And the needle drops on side two on Phantom Lord to crush your face. And <laughs> yes, please. It's basically what Lars said is taking Motorhead's Overkill, Ace of Spades, and No Sleep Till Hammerhead and merging it with Diamondhead's Lightning to the Nations. Then you add a little Judas Priest, British Steel, and toss in a little uh, Saxon's Wheel of Steel, and you kind of get a stew that all my favorite songs. ingredients, man. Yeah. Oh, you gotta love all that together. And you know, we haven't really said enough about the importance of all those elements, but especially our Lord Lemmy and Motorhead, as far as their influence on what Metallica became, and why they kind of went there. They took that to a whole new level with what they did and how they were able to take these sounds and combine them and put them together to make this thing called Metallica. It's almost like it was supposed to happen this way. It's one of those weird things that feels like it absolutely had to happen in the world of metal and music and rock and roll. It seems undeniable, but it wasn't at first, and a lot of people just didn't know what to make of it. And a song like No Remorse is a good example. It's right there and a classic to all the Metallica fans now. But we're like three, four generations in, and you gotta recognize that not everybody was getting it when this album came out, and it took a while. Metal Shop was on in Philadelphia, and they played it, but nobody else outside of those metal shows was playing Metallica for a long time. Next up on side two is Seek and Destroy. It's the first song that made me go, yeah, I'm going to get this on the radio as soon as I fucking can. Well, the album was already out five years, but then but we were a new radio show. So I realized there were a lot of people who hadn't heard a lot of Metallica. And then we got Injustice Raw, and we were off to the races with them. But there, the beginning of our association, so to speak, Seek and Destroy was the point of contact.
That's the song that they've played most live over their entire career. And that riff in the original demo really set the tone for that song. And it's still a rock radio staple on a lot of active rock stations today because of shows like Rockers and shows like that that really started hammering it into mainstream rock radio where it should have been from the beginning. They weren't ready, that's all. I always explained it that way. You know, people didn't understand for a while. They just weren't ready. You're right. For a lot of stuff. Ozzy and Priest and Iron Maiden, they weren't ready for them yet either. And Mm -hmm. those bands were already in full stride. So look at they weren't ready for Sabbath and Zeppelin when they first came out as well. But here we are celebrating Kill 'em All on Game Changers on the Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. We close with Metal Militia, the last song on the original release. And it's kind of apropos because it's kind of a nod or a salute to all the metal militias, Old Bridge and otherwise, all across America, where they'd already begun to amass some fans in early days or not the metal militia is still out there in their camp even though they have a lot of songs that are more on the poppy side of things in the last 25 years this is what a lot of what would come to be in metal in the 80s and beyond flowed from kill them all when this album first came out ray do you think that it had that velvet underground impact in the way that a lot of people didn't know about it at first but those who heard it for metal bands the answer really is a qualified no because no one's ever told me that but you can't deny the impact that the band had over the next five to ten years in opening up minds and ears to that sound to a crunchier different sound that wasn't necessarily acceptable even amongst the hard rock fans at that point it took some time Lem would tell you it's a long grind right and i always love the fact that the boys always always showed all love and respect to lemmy and uh that hasn't changed since he left this mortal coil and, you know we see him every day we go to work at mmr he's in the studio looking over all of us keeping an eye on us of course and making sure we throw in an occasional ace of spades you know it's, <laughs> it's a must <laughs> Kill Em All, the first of many from Metallica. Glad we're talking about this game-changing album, Marcus, because it not only changed the game, but it opened doors for a lot of the bands that were also in the same Sonic playground. In doing a little bit of reading about Kill Em All, I was able to find this little story that at the 30th anniversary of Kill Em All, Metallica was on tour and they pulled Dave Mustaine and Ron McGovney on stage to play with them. The next prolific guitar player that showed up on the map has uh, since gone on to do amazing things in another band called Megadeth. That's right, baby. And in his own right, carved his own way with his own attitude, his own sound, his amazing songwriting. And we appreciate him coming here and showing up and being a part of the remaking of history. And what happened yesterday is long gone. What's happening right now is what matters. So please give a warm Met Club welcome to Mr. Dave Mustaine. 
Nothing but love, brother. Yeah! think is a really cool gesture because number one it showed that time does heal wounds and that they were able to put any differences aside that they may have had at that moment to do what was right and play the music that they played together at that time i agree well said my friend that kind of a class approach to things is what you've come to expect from a band like metallica they're more than a musical leader or a, a large grossing band as we talked about on bent news a couple of weeks ago they're humans and they really lead the charge for humanity inside of music a lot of bands do it a lot of bands don't talk about it it's tough to do both because there's so many assholes in the world who just want to give you shit about anything that's true. Keep doing the good stuff, boys. We know. And we know it isn't always easy, James. Uh, we're there with you. Uh, millions of fans got your back, uh, literally and figuratively. And uh, all of you just keep doing what you do because we need it more in this world than what we've had lately. Music can unite people, and we need more of it. It's, again, one of those albums that made a big difference in the world, and I think it's one of those albums that had to happen for some reason. It just seems like that if you look at all these events, and there's no weird conspiracy theories or anything like that but it just seems that these events had to occur and that they were gonna happen to bring these cats together to create this record when it came to behind the scenes nobody does it by themselves in the studio marcus and they had a lot of help johnny z in there he gets executive producer credit and had a big hand in making sure all the the right things were happening paul curcio is uh, listed as a producer as well but the engineers and all those guys man they're the ones that captured this unique sound that needed to be captured differently than maybe other records even that they've made you know yeah the fact that johnny and marcia zazula took this huge risk in spending their own money and betting it all on this album and this band is pretty significant as well if you go back and listen to Johnny talking about this in the interview we did with him on a previous episode, and we'll post that in the notes for this episode, you can hear it, right? In his voice, he, he expresses it perfectly himself. And it took a lot of faith. And some of this is divine providence that we've discussed. You've been mentioning it earlier in the episode. And some faith. And it's not the churchy kind of faith. It's faith in <laughs> what you're doing, man, and what you've got going on here. And what kind of shit you can stir up. And that they did. But Metallica, unleashed, kill them all. That's what's behind the success. 
of Megaforce, Metallica, Kill 'Em All, and so many other things that came from this. And that's why it was so important to them. I, thanks to John and Marsha, miss them. And uh, our interview with Johnny, he, he expresses it best. And we thank them. And, uh, of course, we thank the four horsemen themselves, the five, six, seven, seven or eight horsemen. We'll thank them all because through the years, <laughs> they delivered some of the greatest music ever. <laughs> hey, if you've got notes on Kill 'Em All, hit us up at imbalancehistory at gmail.com. You can find us on social medias. We're on Facebook and Twitter the most. Also, if you happen to see Metallica during those early days, we'd love to hear about your experiences with them, too. Or if you're a member of the Old Bridge Militia Generation 1, we want to hear from you. Imbalancehistory at gmail.com. Until the next time we get together, I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this has been Game Changers with Metallica's Kill 'Em All on the Imbalanced History of Thrash and Roll.